Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Woo! Back in the studio tonight. It's Sex and Science Hour and Brian's back. Yeah, hey, Brian. Hey. Welcome back. <laughs> I'm starting to feel a little weird here. You even took my line. You I know. know. Yeah, I usually I just... give a nice whoo. You know, and let it happen, but all right. I was just so excited to be back in the studio with you that I oh. had to do a sort of a Sovereign Tech opening I, sti- um, in the style of Sovereign Tech. That's right. <laughs> Imitation I, is the sincerest form of flattery. Oh, and I know. do feel flattered, and it'll get you everywhere with me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, of course, just absolutely wonderful to be back with you. Though, I'll tell you. You know, the, the, ep- the last episode with yeah. MK, I loved it. I she- loved it, too. We had a great time, and we have great podcast chemistry, and it was a great show. Seriously, she is welcome to my chair anytime. Like, awesome. I, I, mean, well, thanks, I will Brian. step away with, with no problem. Very anyway. gracious of you. And, yeah. And you even plugged in your headphones just in time for the show. We, we I was yeah, literally. Yeah, you were dancing. I was, I was dancing. I was, you know, silently like lip syncing. I was Basically, we play through that whole intro sequence before we start the show right. just to sort of psych ourselves up. And we, we, it plays in the background as we're recording. Yeah. And, um, but Brian didn't have his headphones plugged in until about a minute in. As we were just about to start the show. <laughs> well, so. I mean, you were just standing there, like, kind of dancing to your own thing. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, that's fine. I mean, yeah, hell, when I go and make tea, like, I'm asshole. playing air guitar, you know, and I'm, like, spinning around like I'm playing a Kiss song or something. Uh, so, you know, not that it'd be that odd. But then I was like, oh, actually, I'm not plugged in. Where's my snare? I have no snare in my headphones. <laughs> you know, you got to have fun in life. That's, that's what right. it's all about. <laughs> so um, here's something that's not so fun. I just saw this literally, like, 10 minutes before we started recording. And I was like, oh, okay, there's our open. Story. Oh, it's dangerous. So, okay, I'm just going to read the headline. Texas hunters who accidentally shot each other blamed it on undocumented immigrants, police reveal. <laughs> Brian just spit out his Pepsi. Whoa. What? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said when I saw this headline. And this is actually from independent.co.uk. Which is fairly accurate. Fairly, yeah. It's, I mean, it's better than like the Daily Mail, for yep. example. Yeah. Um, it, now, I could certainly see this being sort of a British propaganda piece of like, oh my God, look at those Americans. They're just fat Walmart gun toting hicks, you They're know, reporting the shooting facts. each other. What? This is what happens when you let everybody have guns who wants a gun. They shoot each other and then they blame it on the illegal immigrants. Uh... Um, <laughs> But anyway, let's read it and see what it is. It's not like wildly inaccurate as far as I can imagine. I mean, you know, there's there's a little grain of truth in everything, I think, in in most things, not in everything, not like the flat earth or anything. But Uh. um, (laughs) so anyway, 
this is a terrible tragedy. Whenever anyone gets hurt or killed, it's it's bad. Okay, I don't like to make light of it or laugh, but right. I think there's probably a lesson in here. So let's read it, uh, shall we? Is the lesson don't go duck hunting with Dick Cheney? Uh, yeah, that's one lesson. Okay. Yeah, there's there's multiple <laughs> things to be gleaned here. Um, a hunting guide and his client accidentally shot each other. Oh, so one of them was a hunting guide. He's teaching so people he's how to shoot. Trained professional. All right. Holy shit. A hunting guide and his client accidentally shot each other and then blamed it on undocumented migrants, police in the U.S. have said. Officers attended the scene at a remote South Texas ranch near the Mexico border in early January, finding two men bleeding from gunshot wounds. A second guide was involved in the incident, but he escaped without injury. The casualties, guide Walker Doherty, 26, and client Edwin Roberts, 59, and the other guide, Michael Bryant, told police they suspected the shooters were undocumented immigrants that they had seen on the ranch earlier in their trip. Their story was shared thousands of times online after Texas Commissioner of Agriculture and Donald Trump ally Sid Miller wrote about it on Facebook. But police and a grand jury have now concluded that the men were lying about the incident and actually shot each other. Investigators believe that Mr. Doherty became paranoid that illegal immigrants were inside of a vehicle with Mr. Roberts and his wife and attempted to get inside without saying anything, prompting Mr. Roberts to shoot at the door. Mr. Doherty then ran back to his cabin to grab his gun and to get backup from Mr. Bryant, and together they opened fire on the truck. Oh, boy. (laughs) It's this shootout on the ranch. Mr. Doherty and Mr. Roberts were both struck by bullets to the chest and the arm, respectively. It is believed that Mr. Doherty shot Mr. Roberts, his client. Oh, my God. And Mr. Bryant shot Mr. Doherty, his colleague. All right, all right, all right. So let's break this down. Yeah. So... So these two, a hunting guide and a client yeah. of the hunting guide, uh-huh. were out in the woods. Yes. In a, ca- a place with a cabin in a remote South Texas ranch near the Mexico border. Okay. And so they 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 shoot at each other, but they claim that they were shooting at they that they were shooting at immigrants or that immigrants shot them, like came across the border and shot them. They said they had seen some illegal immigrants trying to sneak across the border and get onto the ranch like earlier in the day. And then apparently one dude was in the car, was in a truck, Uh and the guide thought that he was trapped in the truck with an illegal Mexican or something that was trying to kill him. So he shot at the truck. And then the guy in the truck thought, oh, my God, he's shooting at me. I have to shoot it back at him. So he shot the other guy. All right, wait a minute. But how do they know they're illegal? Like. I mean, do, well, do illegal they look people have Mexican, like a blue of course. I, why would they be trying to sneak across the oh, ranch if they weren't it's just illegal? Because they're Mexican. Okay. Yeah, right. that's right. Got it. All right. So, yeah, this is this kind of smacks of the uh, what was that that brigade the uh, the Minutemen, the people who were like standing on the border in Texas and trying to shoot Mexicans who were trying to cross the the border. Oh yeah, or was it Arizona? I don't know. It was yeah, Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, <sighs> all those southwestern border states. All right. I mean, look, this is what irrational fear looks like. Like th- this is this is what this is the ultimate outcome. I mean, yeah. did, did, these people are so afraid. They're having a shootout, and there's no actual enemy present. Well, right. They're afraid of a narrative. Like I mean, literally, yeah. they've been they've they've bought a narrative 
because again, how exactly do you prove that somebody is, you know, undocumented from however many paces away that you decide to, you know, right? Exactly. Shoot if you see a Mexican-looking man running through the woods in a tech in Texas, are you to assume that he's necessarily an illegal immigrant? Right. I mean, what if Edward James almost was just going for a walk and he accidentally walked over the border a little bit? You know, Edward James almost <laughs> is a very famous uh, you know, poet, Latino right? Actor. Oh, yeah, uh, and. <laughs> yeah like, none of this makes any sense what if they uh, were filming the, a movie i yeah. don't know but uh, yeah i mean i guess you could say the ranch is private property so why are people trespassing but still like okay if somebody's trespassing does that mean like shoot them is like the first thing you do i don't uh, think it is yeah so that's you're, not what i would want to do first exactly you're so hitting on, on on one maybe one of the biggest problems and in my opinion, anyway, is that like, so this is like, that's the first thing you do when there's some kind of property infringement is you just shoot, you know, shoot to kill. Yeah, it, it sounds like they're trigger happy. It sounds like yeah. they're looking to be a hero. They have just waiting for an excuse to fire that firearm. And that's a dangerous way to live. Because when you live that way, people get shot. Yeah, I mean, and this is the nature of constantly, again, selling that 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 fear narrative, you know, that, oh, the immigrants are coming for you. Whatever they're coming for, they're coming for you. Yeah, this and, figment of their imagination managed to start a literal war between this person who used to be his client and a, a client and a coach. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost at, like, the sad part is, is that when I hear the story, when I hear just the headline, I don't find it unbelievable. And I should be like, shaking you know kind of shaking my head you know saying like how did this happen you know but it's totally believable that that that's that that's exactly what happened is these guys and then i mean then they're bullshitting their way all the way to court like or well wait did both of them survive or they both survived and then they were posting on it on social media so there's there's more to this article here okay um so let's see mr doherty and mr roberts were both struck by bullets to the chest and the arm respectively uh, it is believed that Mr. Doherty shot Mr. Roberts, his client, and Mr. Bryant shot Mr. Doherty, his colleague. Police told News Channel 7 that they're conducting ballistic testing to determine which guns fired which bullets, but they cannot test the bullet that struck Mr. Doherty as it is too close to his heart to be safely removed. Oh, my God. So he just missed his heart. Uh, Mr. Doherty and Mr. Bryant have both been indicted on third-degree felony charges punishable by up to five years in prison after the alleged attack a family friend set up a GoFundMe page stating that Mr. Doherty and his group were involved in a shootout with illegal immigrants that were trying to steal his RV with his clients inside of it. <laughs> the appeal to help pay for Mr. Doherty's medical bills as he is uninsured raised over $26,000 before it was shut down. Mr. Doherty's fiance, who was at the ranch the night of the shooting, told CBS 7 that she could not comment on the case until it was completed, but said that the couple had had multiple encounters with undocumented immigrants in the past month. She claims that oh. they had hundreds of dollars worth of supplies, hundreds of dollars worth of supplies stolen by, from the, the ranch by them. Hundreds of dollars. So that's worth shooting people, I guess. When you got hundreds of dollars of stuff taken. I mean, and who knows what the supplies were? Was it food? Okay, so yeah, shoot people, they're taking your food. Give I... me a break. Come on. <laughs> Although the area is well known for undocumented migrants from Mexico crossing over the border, 
Pre, uh, Presidio County Sheriff Danny Dominguez said that he had never seen violence like the alleged incident before. He said he was skeptical of the story from the beginning and suggested that the hunters were paranoid. He told CBS 7, I mean, Border Patrol are experts at tracking in this area. We trust what they say because that's all they do on a daily basis. And they didn't find no sign, no indication that there was anybody in or out of that area that night. By the looks of it right now, we believe that during the shooting, with all the commotion and confusion going on, we believe that Michael shot Walker and Walker had shot Edwin, Mr. Dominguez added. That's the sheriff. Mr. Dominguez added that it took emergency services nearly two hours to arrive at the remote ranch. But fortunately, one of the men's wives was a nurse and was able to keep both men from bleeding out. So the God. Uh, OK. All right. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, there's more. Right. Uh, there's more. He's, he said he wants ranchers and residents in the area to know that they have nothing to fear at this time regarding any violence, quote, from across the border. No, you got to worry about the. Yeah, you got to worry about the, the Americans. <laughs> Mr. Miller, who became infamous in the U.S. during last year's election campaign when he called Democrat candidate Hillary Clinton a cunt on Twitter, deleted his initial Facebook post about the incident after police said that they were suspicious of the hunter's story. Mr. Miller's initial post included, oh, get this. So he's he's gunning for sympathy now, too. Mr. Miller's initial post included two pictures of Mr. Doherty, one of which showed him in his hospital bed. Quote, the aliens were ambushing the RV that Walker and his wife were in. He was shot while trying to protect his hunters from the attack. Walker is a man of God and now a hero, Mr. Miller wrote. This is why we need the wall and to secure our borders, he added in the post. I mean, why did God make Mexicans then? Like, I, I, Good question. <laughs> That's been... a very good question. I'm pretty sure Mexicans are one of the most religious uh, yeah. peoples there are, it, you know, speaking in general terms, of course. All right. All right. So did, did you have more? Uh, the, the last sentence is, in addition to criticizing the commissioner for spreading fake news, people commented on social media and local news outlets declared it ironic that it was actually paranoia about border security and not a lack of border security that appears to have landed the two men in the hospital. Um, yeah. You know, I, I hear people when they talk about this problem, quote unquote, which again, we see here is just rampant paranoia. But this problem of the illegals crossing the border and everything. And they said, OK, no, no, well, we can let Mexicans in and whoever else. But look, we, we need to give them like IQ tests. We just got to know that they're up oh, to snuff God. and all this. And it's like, well, you better start with your own fucking people, you know, before you start giving IQ <laughs> yeah, tests I'm to Mexicans. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of Americans are going to fail that IQ test. I, I bet three quarters of the goddamn nation would fail that, that <laughs> test. I mean, like by a long shot, uh, you know, just. Well, I don't want to go there. Yeah, but you know, I've never actually heard anyone sincerely advocate for IQ tests at the border. Usually what they say is they jump right to the next step, which is that, well, there's certain areas of the world where, in general, IQs are tend to be lower than, for example, white people or Asian people. I was going to say, but you mean like They have a different America? excuse for Asian people. They're just, they're just not compatible with white American culture, so they can't come. That's the reason. But oh, it's not really the IQ. That's the reason really Chinese the people can't come, because they are smarter. You have to admit that they're they're smarter, but... But they, their culture is not compatible because it's very communistic and it's not individualistic like America. This is what they say. I'm not saying I say that, but this is what people say. So usually they skip over the whole IQ test to begin with. And they say, well, there are just certain regions of the world where the IQ tends to be lower. So we should just kind of, you know, a blanket have a, a ban on all those people coming over because they're going to make our country stupider and they're going to be incompatible with our culture and they're going to take our women and take our jobs. It's the same old shit that people say about immigrants 
throughout time oh, don't that even... they've been saying for centuries about every immigrant group there there ever was and ever will be is that is what they'll say they're gonna take your women you bunch they're of take, cucks they're taking the jobs they're taking the women they're gonna make the race impure blah blah, blah. Oh, what the hell I, I, you know, I, I'm at a lot. I don't know. I'm at a loss for words. I, I hate to say this because I really don't feel this way, and I'm not one for guns and all that shit. But this really just feels like a case of natural selection. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I hope they learn something from this. It appeared like they were trying to cover it up, but I really hope at least somebody learns something from this. Yeah, that calm just, down. Please don't be so trigger happy and so fucking paranoid. Like, chill. Just if you ha- if you're drinking that much coffee or doing that much coke, you gotta chill. <laughs> All right, this is Sex and Science Hour. We have a podcast. You can find our website at sexandsciencehour.com. But uh, Brian also has a podcast. It's called Sovereign Tech. And Ooh. if you like uh, him on the show, if you're glad he's back, then uh, give, a, give a little clap and Tinkerbell will, will live. If you, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and if you're actually, not glad I'm back, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you are or are not glad Brian is back, go to sovereigntech.com, S-O-V-R-Y-N tech.com. Uh, he's got a lot of interesting content there, including today he's going to review a rare book called the mana machine oh yeah yeah i mean and i just i yell for two hours straight it's amazing <laughs> sovereigntech.com now back to the show <laughs> this is sex and science hour so that was uh like a little bit depressing to start out the show with don't you think um, yeah i mean definitely you know if you did, if you had any faith in humanity left you know probably knocked it down a couple notches yeah it's been yeah we need a shot in the arm, and not in that way that the people in Texas perceive. Oh, uh, what are we going to mainline now? Um, <laughs> well, science, of course. Science always cheers me up. So this is actually a cool, hopeful story I found. Um, now, it's hopeful. Ever, it is. It is hopeful because it's going to be. It's actually a pretty cool technology that I'm having trouble seeing how it could go wrong. But maybe I'm wrong about that. We'll okay. see. So you know how. Um, you ever had like an electric toothbrush and you can put it on top of a little platform that's magnetized and it charges your toothbrush overnight with the, the spinning magnet that creates an electric current? Okay, yeah. And it does, you don't have to plug anything into the toothbrush. You just put it on top of this platform and it charges it up sure, wirelessly. induction effectively? Yes, induction charging. Yes, yeah. yeah. So apparently now there's a technology that's going to make that possible to do it in like a whole room so that none of the devices would have to be plugged in. You could just sit in the room and everything would be constantly charging. Okay. So does this will like over a couple of years, will this give me powers like Spider-Man? Um, that's the thing that could possibly go wrong. So we'll, <laughs> okay. we'll see, but, uh, let's, let's read the article here. This is from uh, fizz.org. So a good, you know, genuine sciencey source. Wireless power transmission safely charges devices anywhere within a room. A new method developed by Disney Research for wirelessly transmitting. Yeah, exactly. You ever seen those pi- those videos from like the 1950s about what they imagined roads would be like? It was like this crazy. It looked yeah. like a, it looked like a w- ride at the Epcot Center or something. That was that was back before you know they put technology in the hands of the people uh, like uh, like those two in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> um. No just comment. those two, no just comment. those two. I wasn't talking about the whole of Texas. It's a lovely state. It is a lovely state, yeah. Lovely people. Everything's bigger in Texas, too. It's true. It, it, no lie, it really is. Yeah, the drinks shit. are huge. The hotels are huge. Everything's bigger. Yeah, love the people of Texas. <laughs> a new method developed by Disney Research for wirelessly transmitting power through a room enables users to charge electronic devices as seamlessly as they now connect to Wi-Fi hotspots, eliminating the need for electrical cords or charging cradles. Yay! 
The researchers demonstrated their method called quasi quasi static cavity resonance QSCR inside a specialty a specially built 16 by 16 foot room at their lab. They safely generated near field standing magnetic waves that filled the interior of the room, making it possible to power several cell phones, fans and lights simultaneously. This new innovative method will make it possible for electrical power to become as ubiquitous as Wi-Fi, said Allenson Sample, associate lab director and principal research scientist at Disney Research. This in turn could enable new applications for robots and other small mobile devices by eliminating the need to replace batteries and wires for charging. A research report on QSCR by the Disney research team of Matthew blah, blah, blah. Uh, sorry, I, I never know if I should read people's names or just gloss over them. I'll read them. I'll give yeah. them credit where credit's due. It's always a roll Ma- of the dice. Crap, shoot. The problem is that the name, invariably, there's one in there that I know I'm not going to pronounce right, so I always yeah. feel bad. But I guess that's I guess pronouncing it wrong is better than not even giving them credit at all, so I'm just going to try. Okay. All so, right. A research report on QSCR by the Disney research team of Matthew J. Shabalko. Mosen Shamohamadi. Whoa. Yeah, that's the name. <laughs> He's he gets the cake for this one. <laughs> Mosen. And Allenson P. Sample was published on February 15th, 2017 in the online journal Plus One. So it's hot off the presses. In this work, we've demonstrated room scale wireless power, but there's no reason we couldn't scale this down to the size of a toy chest or up to the size of a warehouse, said Sample, who leads the grab the lab's wireless systems group. According to Sample, wireless power transmission is a long-standing technological dream. Celebrated inventor Nikola Tesla famously de- the celebrated inventor Nikola Tesla famously demonstrated a wireless lighting system in the 1890s and proposed a system for transmitting power long distances to homes and factories, though it never came to fruition. And of course, there's lots of conspiracies about why. Sure. Today, most wireless power transmission occurs over very short distances, typically involving charging stands or pads. The QSCR method involves inducing electrical currents in the metallized walls, floor, and ceiling of a room, which in turn generate uniform magnetic fields that permeate the room's interior. This enables power to be transmitted efficiently to receiving coils that operate at the same resonant frequency of the magnetic fields. The induced currents in the structure are channeled through discrete capacitors, which isolate potentially harmful, ele- which isolate potentially harmful electrical fields. So that's how they make it prevent, prevent it from uh, frying your brain. Well, okay. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to read more, but like I have... Yeah, no, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah talk I, about it. I have some doubts uh, because okay. this sort of thing has been tried many a time. Um, and in fact, actually, induction charging is was taking over kind of the mobile device world for a little while, uh, and then it stopped. And the reason that it stopped is because of Apple. Apple literally killed that innovation. Um, Why? Because they, for some goddamn reason, they have to make their phones out of aluminum. Um, and... Because of that, you can't put the phone on the charger without you getting electrocuted. Okay. So like for, <laughs> oh, for, yeah, that's for, a flaw. right. So for induction charging to work, it has to be a plastic phone. That's why a lot of Android phones, a lot of Google phones that had, that did this, uh, you know, wireless charging, um, were, were plastic because it was the only way that you could make sure, uh, you know, that, that when you went to go pick it up, that you, you know, there, there wasn't going to be a current, uh, you know, that, that could transfer to you. So, like I'm kind of feeling like for this to work, for this room to work, I get it that it's, it's all working on a similar frequency. So it only, uh, you know, uh, gets attracted to the coils within say a device that, uh, you know, that would be charged. 
but I get the sense that whatever you're holding is going to have to be plastic or rubber or something like that. Like, I don't think that these could be metal devices and as wonderful an idea as this is, look, if Apple says, no, we refuse to make anything that isn't metal other than like, say the iPhone five C or whatever, you couldn't uh, put like a cover over it, like a plastic bag or something or you an could, insulator. But Apple won't do that. They, they have some fucking hard on for, you know, making everything. I mean, and I get it. Well, I that's because it looks futuristic and sleek. Well, and, and the way solid. it looks is more important. Yeah. I mean, well, the way it looks and admittedly, I mean, it makes for a stronger phone. Like, you know, there, there's, there's good arguments for that sort of thing. Um, and there's arguments where some people are, they're downright conspiratorial about plastic. Like they think that even touching plastic kills you. Uh, really? Because of BPA? Why is that? Yeah, BPA and probably a bunch of other stuff. I, I've, I didn't, I haven't paid a whole wow. ton of attention to those didn't cases. Know about that? All yeah, right. but there are people who feel that way that like they don't want to touch anything that's plastic. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm sure a simple duck, duck, go search would would end up with a lot of results as to why that okay, is. Okay, no, I believe you. Sure, but r- regardless, like. I, I something about the I get it. I really do understand the science. I understand the, the the point of the frequencies and everything, but something about it just feels a little off. And and well, I'm also we'll worried them, about the plastic future. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll let them try it in Disney World first because they're. Yeah, I mean that's the best place because there's just kids everywhere. I mean, and, and just just fry them, you know, like I, just let it, just let it rip. I, Obviously, you're joking, yes, right? Yes, I'm being very, oh my very God. sarcastic. Actually, being quite sardonic. But well, all right, we got to move on. We got another science article. Now, okay. this is cool. You're gonna like this well, one. Did, too, I Brian. mean, so but what did you think about it? Quick, I don't really know. I'm terrible at physics. Mm. Like, I honestly never really got physics. Like, I'm very yeah. bad at it. I'm very good at biochemistry and life sciences. Terrible at physics. Well, we make a great team. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a dilettante. <laughs> we do. We complement each other physics. very well. Yes. You're, and you like history. I hate history. I'm so bored by history. Oh, we've turned that table, though. So I'm doomed to repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you love history now. I mean, you love it. We start talking about it and... So, <laughs> no comment. Uh, yes. Well, you got to make it interesting somehow, you know? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's always interesting in bed for some reason. Go ahead. <laughs> Earth, apparently, Brian, has a hidden eighth continent. This is coming from uh, our favorite uh, show prep supplier, Cognitive Dissident. Oh, all right. Cognitive Dissident is back. Ooh. Actually, we have, a, we have a huge amount of show prep because we actually haven't done a show in a little while. We did a show... Last show we released was the show with me and MK. So yeah. you and I didn't get to any of our show prep. Um, before that was the last show we did. And then we, we skipped a week in there because yes. we just couldn't handle it. Like, well, I mean, like, it was last, you know, the last show was just so good with you and MK. Like it needed, yeah, it needed time it to attention. settle. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's like a steak, you know, for before you're ready for it, you got to let it sit. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So Earth has a hidden eighth continent from live science. Based on geological definitions of a continent, the Earth actually has a lost eighth continent known as Zealandia. Aha! Most of this continent is submerged beneath the sea, while a tiny sliver, including New Zealand, is above the water. Earth has eight continents, and world maps should reflect this, geologists say. The eighth, a lost continent called Zealandia, isn't a huge landmass that geographers have somehow missed. Rather, only small bits, including New Zealand, New New Caledonia, and a few other specks of land in the vast Pacific Ocean are above sea level. The rest of this continent lies beneath the waves, a new study suggests. 
I hope Zealandia will now start to appear on world maps which show other continents, said Nick Mortimer, a geologist with GNS Science in Dundin, New Zealand. Oh, he's a he's a Kiwi. He's biased. <laughs> There's an extra one, and it is as real as all the others. He's sick of not be getting credit. Nobody, everybody ignores us Kiwis. <laughs> it's like Pluto, you know? It's not a planet anymore. Poor Zealandia is yeah, not a Yeah, Zealandia is the Pluto of Earth. <laughs> What's the new Bureau of Earth? Oh, probably Atlantis or something. <laughs> yeah, that's Atlantis. Well, could Zealandia be Atlantis? Because a lot of it's sunken, apparently. It doesn't match like uh, uh, like Plato's description of where it could be. There's okay. actually a book that came out just a few months ago. I have not had the chance to read it yet, uh, but it's the Caribbean case for Atlantis. Uh, and it, that that's going to be a hell of a read. Like, I, I can't wait to dig into that. Um, that does sound interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you want to read more, go ahead. Yeah, let's let, yeah. let's just read a little bit. The new study synthesizes decades of evidence for a hidden continent lying beneath the ocean surrounding New Zealand. The first line of evidence comes simply from looking at the ocean floor around New Zealand. The continental shelves of Zealandia lie at a depth of about 3,280 feet, or 1,000 meters, below sea level, while the nearby oceanic crust is about 9,800 feet, or 3,000 meters, below that, Mortimer said. Just like other continents, Zealandia has a huge range in al- altitude, from the sub-ocean depths to Aoraki slash Mount Cook at 12,217 feet, 3,724 meters above sea level. The second line of evidence supporting Zealandia's designation as a separate continent... Oh, God. Sorry, an ad's playing. Uh, <laughs> The second, yeah, you're right. You're right. I really should. The second line of evidence supporting Zealandia's designation as a separate continent comes from extensive study of the rocks beneath the ocean. Over the past 20 years, geologists have set sail on ships to dredge rocks up from the seafloor. Unlike the nearby oceanic crust, which is made up of basaltic rocks from the fa- fairly recent geologic past, the crust surrounding New, New Zealand, it's like this crust on a sandwich. The, <laughs> the crust surrounding New Zealand is composed of a variety of different rock types, including granite, limestone, and sandstone, some of which are incredibly ancient. That is typical of continental crust, the researchers reported in the March-April issue of the journal GSA Today. Finally, scientists have shown that there's a narrow strip of oceanic crust separating the continent of Australia from the subterranean reaches of Zealandia, meaning there are two separate continents, Mortimer said. Zealandia was born from the breakup of the supercontinent of Gondwana about 85 million years ago, Mortimer said. At that time, an ocean began to emerge between Australia and New Zealand. Zealandia is somewhat unusual in that it just in that just before it separated from the supercontinent of Gondwana, it got stretched, Mortimer told Life Science. That stretching essentially thinned out the continental crust, making it sink more than thicker continental crust, which tends to float, he said. Compared with with other continents, Zealandia is pint size at 1.8 million square miles or 4.9 million square kilometers. It's a little bigger than India and half the size of Europe. And although only a tiny amount of the continent is lying above the water currently at one time, its above water footprint was even smaller. Based on geologic layers unearthed on New Zealand, the continent reached its maximum level of submergence about 30 million years ago. So, Brian, what do you think about this? Well... Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, Zealandia, I mean, that, that it's a thing. Um, there's actually, there's lots of these. Like, I, I, I mean, some like of them. Little fragments of continents? Well, like continents, you, you know, uh, I mean, and varying degrees of how real they are. Um, 
there's a you know uh, Mauritia, I think is the is oh another I've heard one. of that yeah, yeah where is Mar- that that's also just off the Pacific there um, okay but you have that you have uh, uh, the Kerguelen Plateau which is part of I think that's what ends up like making where Madagascar and like India ended up separating um, you you know you have that uh, then I mean there's there's tons of these there's even fake ones like or not fake ones but ones that pretty much ever since plate tectonics became a thing uh, you you know they said no this this doesn't exist this didn't happen like uh, Lemuria is one of the more uh, popular ones. Mm. I mean, and that gets, you know, then you start getting into more like almost Atlantis style stories where, oh, there was this really advanced um, culture there and, you know, advanced civilization. Oh, and yeah. Everything. Like those are the interesting parts. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think anytime <laughs> you talk about like a lot, like a sunken continent, like you're, you're kind of trying to appeal to that sense of mystery when there may not be anything that interesting about Zealandia. Uh, you know, one of the possibilities is that there, there's a lot of, uh, uh, religious and historic texts that that talk about like an area there where that is supposedly the real cradle of civilization that it wasn't actually africa uh like one of the more popular ones in india is kumari kandam which is uh, is that the is that yeah. what you wear when you visit an indian brothel it's <laughs> yeah. a kumari condom wow jeez <laughs> no racism here folks uh, but no. uh but, you know, I mean, these are these are theories that, that come around. And it's interesting because a lot of this stuff, I mean, particularly like off of off of India or even off of Japan, you know, theoretically there's or, or well, I mean, it's theoretical because is that actually what you're seeing when you go off the coast and you look at these various formations that you see? Are these natural formations or were there actual cities there? Um, you know, or you think about in the Mediterranean, we're in the Mediterranean in in the Mediterranean today. There's two there's about 200 cities at least sunken in the mediterranean jesus christ what's right. down there <laughs> right but this is the thing is that you know there, there's there might i mean this is 60 million you know 60 80 million years ago whatever yeah and some of these other ones it's all kind of the same story where it happened millions and millions of years ago so uh, basically wherever there's an island or a coast there's probably sunken cities because the coastline has changed over time potentially yeah. i mean you know who who knows i mean you know it's just the earth did look very different at one point and yeah. and what exactly you know what mysteries are underwater and all this stuff i mean it's pretty wild stuff to consider yeah Um, so okay real quick what is your favorite theory about what atlantis was and where yeah (laughs) i you know well my not the one that i believe but okay that could be different yeah (laughs) yeah but my my favorite one is that atlantis didn't sink it went up oh like it took off there's a cliffhanger yeah yeah. and, and it went you know went up 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 uh because and, it was actually aliens that were hiding well because it might have been a spaceship underwater. itself yeah mm. uh I, I mean and there's there's science fiction that kind of touches on that like uh stargate atlantis and some others but um yeah but that's not what i believe um uh, though i i'm definitely open to like the existence of like say high brazil or which is a, a kind of a mythical island off the coast of ireland um and then there's you know atlantis itself which yeah there's there's a good chunk to it that boy it makes you wonder you know, what, what exactly, you know, did exist at some point. I mean, even alone, like we said, just in the Mediterranean, there's literally lost civilizations in the Mediterranean. I mean, like unquestionably just sitting there right under the water. Right. Right. And you have, I mean, and you know, to even add more to this, like in historical texts, texts that are accepted as these things happened, you know, you have 
you know, even just, you know, 2000 or 3000, 4,000 years ago, you have these like invasion armies, like navies that come out of nowhere. Nobody knows where they came from, you know, like that the Egyptians would have to fend off or, or somebody else. Um, I mean, like, why did the Egyptians have a Navy when mainly they were just dealing with the Nile river? It's because they were thwarting off all of these peoples coming from, they had no idea where they were coming from. And so, you know, were a lot of these invading armies, armies that had nothing to lose because their fucking land disappeared on them? You know, I, I mean, it, <laughs> that'll make you mad. Sure, sure, right, and that that'll make you go for broke, and and so it, yeah, I mean, you. And you then they about became it. illegal immigrants, and people hurled cannonballs at them, right? Yeah, well, you say, right. <laughs> and they blamed everything, all their problems on them. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing is that all the great empires in history, every single one of them is is absolutely like a nation of of multitude of cultures and immigrants, and, mm. and that's part of the reason they were able to thrive and survive for so long, uh, is because it kept them, you know, it kept things fresh, it kept things exciting. Does uh, it count as being an immigrant if the empire just expands and like annexes your land that you were yeah. living on? <laughs> you would, didn't actually go anywhere. You just got I, engulfed. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I would say it does. So, anyway, yeah, it's 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 fascinating stuff, you know, to consider just how much has really disappeared under the ocean. All right. Well, we're about to disappear, but only for a few seconds. Don't worry, <laughs> we'll be right back. And you're listening to Sex and Science Hour, of course. Coming up, we've got a bunch of listener emails. All right, this is the part where I promote my audiobooks. So things have been very busy in audiobook land here in this household. I'll say. Brian has actually been working on editing a couple of my audiobooks. First of all, we got The Internet of Money. That's going to come out momentarily in a couple weeks. Out now, we've got The Protector, a lesbian werewolf and vampire romance. Ooh. What more do I need to say than that? I mean, you want to read it, right? I'm you want to listen to it. It's The Protector by Bridget Essex, narrated by me, Stephanie Murphy. Um, <laughs> and we've got uh, You Are All You Need, How to Find a uh, Finding Real Happiness Through Meditation, I think is the title of the book by Sarah Rowland. Nice. And uh, Brian actually edited that one. And it is a book of guided meditations. It's now, I don't always sound very relaxed on this show, but I guarantee you when I'm narrating this book, it is just a ticket to the Zen world of blissful relaxation. I'll tell you, I was editing it and like suddenly I'm just editing it. Next thing I know, I'm on this peaceful beach and there's seagulls just, you know, kind of... (laughs) How did you end up there? I don't know. Anyway, you can see all my titles by searching my name, Stephanie Murphy, on audible.com. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. All right, we're going to do a bunch of listener emails here, because like I said, we haven't done a show in a while, so we got a bunch of emails built up. You ready, Ready, Brian? Let's do it. All right, first one comes from Kinky D. No, No, sorry, go (laughs) First one comes from Kinky D. Kinky, Kinky D. Kinky D says... The article about FetLife that you guys talked about scared the crap out of me. And just to recap, the article that we talked about was uh, a couple weeks ago on the show. FetLife uh, had to censor a bunch of categories of fetishes. FetLife is a social network or a dating website for kinky people, people who are into BDSM, to meet each other. Right. And you can indicate that you're interested in different categories of kink and different fetishes and stuff. But they had to take down a bunch of categories from their website because their payment processor uh, refused to serve them. They put the squeeze on them. Yeah, they were part of uh, sort of got caught up in Operation Choke Point where they were threatened, hey, we're not going to process payments for you anymore unless you remove these things from your website. Right. So Kinky D got very freaked out by that. Um, They said they immediately had to log in and check 
my fetish list. Fortunately, all of my fetishes appear to be intact, and I have some extreme ones on there. First they came for the kinksters. Yeah, exactly. That was the (laughs) title of our show. It is terrible the way the adult industry is getting bullied by the banks, and I think this calls for FetLife to begin accepting Bitcoin again. I used to be a premium member, but I stopped paying for it a year or so ago when FetLife removed Bitcoin from their payment options. What the fuck, FetLife? Why, seriously, like, this is the best reason to take Bitcoin. Now, I think I remember that, actually, that FetLife was accepting Bitcoin at one time or another. Mm. But I think the trend kind of died down because, you know, like a lot of stores, a lot of merchants kind of started accepting Bitcoin as a payment method back in 2014, 2015. And, you know, probably a few people were very enthusiastic. They got a couple customers paying with it. But then it became like, eh, you know, it's more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. Because not many people wanted to pay with Bitcoin. Yeah. So many, so many companies and services like seem to either very quickly they've gotten rid of it or even just recently they, they've gotten rid of their Bitcoin payment options. Humble Bundle no longer really. I mean, oh, every damn, once in a while. That's too bad. Yeah. It seems like every once in a while they, they allow for it. But I mean, I haven't seen a sale with, for Bit, with Bitcoin as, as an accepted payment in a long time. Um, on it, the, the fitness company, they accepted like they, they worked with Coinbase, but it seemed like they only worked with them for like a month because mm. that that option's gone already. I mean, it's just gone. Wow. Uh, so I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of. Yeah. A lot of people have backpedaled, though. I think this year you might see the reverse of the trend because like Microsoft, it seemed like they were backing away from Bitcoin. And then like in the past couple months, it seemed like they. But they then something down. happens that reminds them to come back to it because like some like this thing that happened with FetLife. Right. Where they could. Bitcoin is an uncensorable uh, uh, payment method. Exactly. So that's very interesting. You know, PayPal, this is a, a side, but kind of related. PayPal just quietly updated their terms of service saying if you have a website and paypal is one of your payment methods that you accept and you also accept other ones you can't like discourage people from paying with paypal you have to give it at least equal treatment as the other payment options wow isn't that interesting that is interesting i didn't know that yeah Hmm. like you can't say oh pay with bitcoin and i'll i'll give you a discount or whatever that's so crazy Mm -hmm. obviously almost near impossible to enforce um i mean You'd have to use so many web crawlers to like check for that. that yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Kinky D, back to back to their email. They say, I used to be a premium member, but I stopped paying for it a year or so ago when FetLife removed Bitcoin from their payment options. I want to support the site as it's the backbone of the BDSM community. I can thank FetLife and the community it empowers for a large portion of my social life and almost all the dating I've done in the last few years. However, it is just so much easier to scan a QR code than it is to enter a credit card number. Not to mention Bitcoin will never impose censorship. Maybe this will be a wake-up call for them. Keep up the good work and thanks for being kink-friendly. Kinky D. Yeah, right Thank on. you, Kinky D. Thanks for listening and thanks for writing in. And yeah, I do hope that life, uh, you know, wakes up and snaps out of it and says, hey, wait, what are we doing not accepting Bitcoin? Yeah, <laughs> just like the solution to all their problems. Right. You don't want to be the whipping boy to the banks. Oh, whipping boy. <laughs> yeah, you don't want the banks to be <laughs> topping you. I was waiting all night to say that. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. That was no, actually, I didn't know we were doing that question, but go ahead. <laughs> all right, we got an email from Mr. Meaner. <laughs> Mr. Meaner? Yeah, Mr. Meaner. <laughs> all right. Is it, oh, it's like Mr. Yeah, all right, all right. So the, Mr. Meaner is using a different name. He said, I forgot which name I used last time. <laughs> That's why he was Mr. Meaner this time. So this is the person who had sent us the email about being fatigued. 
and like had gone to the gym a lot. Like he lost a bunch of weight. He was riding his bike and he said, oh, I'm just tired all the time. And we said, maybe you're fatigued and where you maybe have like adrenal fatigue or something. So we went to the doctor and he wanted to give us an update. So he says, regarding extreme fatigue, thank you so much for pointing me in the right direction. After talking with my doctor, he did some lab work. My enzymes were okay. I guess he means liver enzymes. My testosterone was way low, about 25% of the low limit for free and total, um, as well as low vitamin D. He's putting me on, well, actually, low vitamin D could be why your testosterone is low, because mm-hmm. all those hormones are made from cholesterol. So it's it's all connected. Right. He's putting me on hormone therapy and instead of supplements, adding more fish to my diet. He said, I probably don't notice when I'm biking because it's more aerobic than strength training. Anywho, I'm going to continue the beginner's yoga class. When everything there is back in order, maybe I'll strike a balance between the three, meaning weightlifting, biking, and yoga. Sincerely, Mr. Meaner. So cool. That's cool to hear that update. Thank you so much for for letting us know. And glad you're- Did you tell your doctor about Sex and Science Hour? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if the doctor's ready for us. Yeah, The doctor will see you now. (laughs) Thank you for the update, though, and I'm so glad you're pointing in the right direction, too. Same here. Okay, so we also got a follow-up on the student who had, uh, there was a student, there a person wrote in, um, it was either his son or his, his nephew or something, that a young person in his family uh-huh. that wanted to be like a computer programmer and integrate that with neuroscience. Right. He wanted to make apps that help people with neuroscience, like neurological difficulties or something. Yeah. Um, but the, the kid himself had a traumatic brain injury from a sports accident. I remember this. And yep. he was wondering if he could possibly ever go into this line of work while having this TBI and if he if it was going to work out. And what should he study? Should he study neuroscience? Should he study computer science? What should he do? So, um, and of course, that email was from P. Enos. <laughs> so P. Enos writes back, Thank you so much for the considered response to my message about the family member with the TBI. I'll definitely seek out the resources that Brian suggested and forward them to him. And I'll definitely tell him that there is a Harvard grad student with a TBI. His injury was very recent, but he has been discharged from the physical therapy center he was in and allowed to go home. He had some residual sensory issues in one of his legs, but he's made rapid improvements and we're all very hopeful. He has to give up sports, but we're more than happy that the situation wasn't worse. I got him an Arduino for Christmas and he seemed very interested in it, so I do hope he starts teaching himself how to program. I hadn't considered how quickly technology outpaces the school curriculum. Good thinking. Again, thank you for the hopeful words. So yeah. cool. That's a great first step learning to like learning an Arduino. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just to, just to recap very quickly, uh, the recommendation I'd made was, uh, Brian Johnson, who is one of the guys that developed Braintree, which got bought up by PayPal. So yeah. Making a PayPal. That's right. Um, he started a, I think it was called Kernel. And it is all about this combining neuroscience and programming, um, you know, just just mm. really bringing those two fields together. So anyway, very exciting cool. stuff, in my opinion. And we did have some Arduino programming like workbooks and products purchased through our link. So maybe it's he probably got those what it for, was. for this kid, too. Cool. Bravo. So cool. Thanks for the update on that. Um, another Amazon related uh, update here. Thug Kitchen Confession. This is from Ross. He says, you can say my name on the air. I don't care. Hey, Ross. What's up, baby? <laughs> I know which Ross this is. Hey there. <laughs> hey there, Ross says, I bought I bought the Thug Kitchen cookbooks, and I wanted to give you a quick review. First, a confession. I, brought, I bought the original Thug Kitchen book a couple years ago, and I loved it. When I first noticed that there were two, or sorry, 
when I noticed that there were two new books on Amazon, I immediately thought, ooh, I'd like to hear Brian and Stephanie talk about these. So yeah, I bought them just for that reason. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> <laughs> you got us. The Thug Kitchen recipes are vegan, and they're written in a very entry-level manner. I try to eat a paleo-ish diet, and I usually add bacon or chicken, etc., to any Thug Kitchen meal if I feel like it. Oh, good move. <laughs> yeah, because the Thug Kitchen was largely vegan, right? Like, it was, yeah, the, yeah, the recipes had all kinds of like beans and stuff in them. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. gives us his favorite recipe here in a minute. But um, this is interesting. He says, my wife and I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. Whoa, what? Relax. I'm, ad- I'm atheist now. Woo. Welcome to the club, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Brian grew up, well, partially Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah, half of it was Seventh-day Adventist. The yeah. previous half was Jewish. Yeah. But uh, wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Yep. He says, my wife and I... Well, grew- happy Sabbath to you, sir. <laughs> my it's wife a Friday and- night. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> my wife and I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. Relax, I'm an atheist now. Woo. So Woo. a lot of our friends and family are vegetarians or vegans. Unfortunately, when we want to share one of these recipes with our SDA mothers, we have to edit out the thug language. <laughs> <laughs> here's a link to my favorite recipe using wait 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 you mean ellen g white didn't predict the thug life come on he'll know what i'm talking about well come she on. did she just didn't write it down because she knew people weren't ready for actually it. she she might have she had that prediction about music where the music was so confusing that people couldn't think uh but anyway. oh my god she really said that yeah yeah she wow. heard not prediction prophecy i guess would technically be the term even though i'm an atheist just like ross uh now thankfully but anyway please continue Wow. Okay, so he says his favorite recipe using chickpeas is roasted chickpea and broccoli burrito. That sounds pretty good. I'm all for it. Uh, And he sent us a trailer for the original book, a commercial. Wow, okay. Are we we actually playing it? Yeah, we can play it in the show. I try and do the best I can to manage things like my high cholesterol, but nothing ever seemed to work. So I went to see my doctor. And he told me I might be suffering from a condition that affects lots of people today. Not giving a fuck about what I eat. (laughs) That's what I found out about the Thug Kitchen Cookbook. It's full of delicious plant-based recipes that really inspired me to get my shit together. Start eating some real fucking food. (laughs) Okay, that's funny. That's enough. I'll play it. That's great. Yeah, that's really funny. All right, cool. And then the last email we had was a poly question polyamory question oh all right so let's put the sex in the sex and science hour yep all right this is our sex question so here we go i met a very nice young lady and we've been hanging out she's gorgeous smart libertarian and a talented musician i recently found out hold on that doesn't exist (laughs) well apparently it does he's met her all right um and this is from a guy by the way i recently found out that she's poly and we had a good discussion about it last night while I'm not against it in principle, I'm and I'm actually aroused by the thought of her having sex with other people, so Catholic. But, <laughs> but I'm but I'm still not entirely sure if I want to be a part of this. Many of the people I know who tried this end up ended up bitterly calling it off, with a few exceptions. I've tried to be in poly relationships in the past, but they failed for reasons unrelated to the nature of the relationship. I haven't been dating anyone at all for the past few years, and she's the first woman I've met who has interested me, but I don't want to make a rash decision because of that. Any advice you could give would be appreciated. I really just need to process this idea. So what do you think? Should he go for it or not? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I I would say, like, proceed with caution, right? Like, you know. No, no, dive head in. I mean, love's like an ocean, (laughs) not a bathtub. Dive into the muff. Hold on, hold on. Love is like an ocean, not a bathtub. And since it's not a bathtub, you can actually nosedive, 
right into it, okay? Because it's an ocean. So, <laughs> you know. well, you might hit your face in the sand if it's nah. a shallow beach. All right, no, this no. analogy has gone way too far. <laughs> I I would say like so the fact that she's polyamorous or she wanted to you know tell you that she was or have a discussion about it is not necessarily a red flag there could be other red flags related to it but that in itself is not a red flag the fact that she talked to you about it and you had a good conversation is a good sign i would say sure because if you can talk about things like that makes every relationship issue easier um now as far as what what could be some red flags from a person who is polyamorous i would say if they're constantly busy all the time so that they never have time to hang out with you and you see them like once every six months and then you try to schedule another date or meeting with them and they're like, oh, well, I have to look at my calendar. And they like the first date they have is like six months from now. They probably don't have time for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if they have a ton of other partners and a ton is relative, right? But if they have like 10 other partners and they and they don't have time to see them either and their partners all have 10 other partners you know, you might be stepping into a complicated group of people that you might not have the bandwidth to have relationships with all of them. Mm -hmm. You know, because when you date a polyamorous person, you're also in a relationship with their other partners, right? They're metamors to you. Yeah. And a metamor is like, it comes from the word paramour. Paramour is like a lover, but metamor is like your lover's lover. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, my, my biggest red flag is that, like, if somebody says they're polyamorous and they've never watched Big Love, I'm always like, I, you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> I actually love Big Love, and I thought it was really touching. I, I love the, how they show the relationships between those three women. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Nikki. Anyway. Oh, yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> what a great character. Um, no, but, but seriously, like... <sighs> there is such a thing as being polysaturated, right? Like, just because love is... Love is infinite, you know, you could people say that love is infinite, but time is finite, right? Yeah. Like you only have so many hours in the day and a lot of people have jobs too and that takes up a lot of space in their life and so they may not have time for more than one or more than two or more than three or more than zero relationships. So what about you, Brian? If you were just getting to know somebody and they told you they were poly, but you didn't know them very well yet, what would you look for as like your top red flag, potentially? I definitely second the amount of time. Um, yeah. Like scheduling, that that always feels a little odd sometimes. But anyway, the, the main thing I would look for is, I mean, you got to look for that radical honesty. I think for polyamory to really work, I feel like that has to be there to where, like, I mean, there's just like a, you know, honesty of, of who's with what and uh, I mean yeah not to honesty say you're, about how you're feeling yeah especially that because not to say that you're owed to know everything about go, you know what goes on in somebody else's life no but you have to be able to have the difficult conversations yes yep. and so just just pay attention for signs of that look for that's a good one yeah, yeah I like that one that's that that's what I would say that's my my big red flag alright cool well good luck out there there's actually more coming up here on Sex and Science Hour we got an after show to do but if you're leaving us now thanks for listening and you can visit our website at sex and sciencehour.com. We'll, of course, be back at you next week. Until then, have a lovely evening or morning or day, wherever you are. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week.
Sex and Science Hour after show. Did you dance? Because I did. Did yeah, you, Brian? Yeah, bit. you're dancing a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You're a good dancer. You got rhythm. Actually, I, I do. Uh, I don't mean to boast, <laughs> but like, I, I'm, I'm a hell of a dancer. You know who else is a really good dancer? Who's that? MK. Really? Oh, yeah. She's a great dancer. And she That's can hoop. Awesome. She can hula hoop, too. Yeah. Oh, I, holy crap. I remember seeing at, at a, an event, Porkfest, and she, she performed there. Oh, she was awesome. It was Mesmerizing. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely was hypnotic. Cool. It was amazing. One of just just most amazing things I've seen. Yep, really so, good. I have a secret, too. I have a secret ability. Oh, I know what this is. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I've seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell the audience what it is? Yeah, I'm actually a medal-winning uh, uh, roller skater. Yep. Like, I, I am, you do the four-wheeled skates and everything. Yeah, I... I quads i don't i don't like roller blades at all but um oh yeah i mean i, I can oh do... yeah that's what i meant yeah that's all right <laughs> they're all on four wheels it's yeah. just are they in a line well, no, some, or are they in two some of the blades have five or six i mean they're, they're, oh, okay. there's the long models but um, boy how big do your feet have to be to have six wheels yeah well that's like know. a semi you're hey. like a human semi thank you so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah uh, you are a very good roller skater though so. yeah yeah i've i've won medals so i'm i'm yeah, i and I love doing it. I don't get to do it enough. It is such a, I mean, roller skating is so cool, especially on quads. And if, if there's any reason that I ever developed rhythm, it's because I've been roller skating since as far back as I can remember. Like, and, and just like, you know, you want to copy the people. There's like this roller skating move called the hot dog. Where The hot dog? Yeah, what is that? But there's, but there's only right. very specific music that you can actually do it to. And anyway, it's just kind of a shuffling of the, of the feet. It's hard to describe, but I could certainly show it. I, I could you know, do it like there's no tomorrow. So anyway, wow. there's my secret power. Very cool. All right. Well, you'll have to show me a video of Six that Six foot one, 200 pound roller skater. That Six can, foot one, tons of fun. That can literally skate up walls. I wow. Love, I love doing that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, this is the part of the show where we bullshit a lot, but we also talk about what people bought through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And what is stuff.sexandsciencehour.com? Well, it's our Amazon affiliate link, and it gives us a handy-dandy little list of what people purchased so that we can talk about it on the after show and talk about the products they got, whether we like or you have used them or know anything about them or speculate about them. <laughs> What what may, what might they have bought that riding crop for? Oh. <laughs> what, what are they going to do with that little flogger? <laughs> um, things like that, you know. So if you want to be featured on our after show, all you have to do is go to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com before you go shopping on Amazon, and it'll show up on our list. Nice. Yep. So, okay, what did people get this time? Well, in the Amazon Instant Video category, we had Doctor Strange from 2016. We actually saw that movie. Yeah, we went to theaters and saw that. Yep, based um, on the comic book, right? Yeah, Doctor Stephen Strange. Um, never really a major player in the comic books, and there was actually a, a Doctor Strange movie back in like the seventies that was, yeah, it was, it was hokey, but it was kind of fun. So uh, he's like this arrogant doctor who gets into a car accident and he loses the ability to use his hands. Right, his hands get fucked up, and he's like a surgeon. He's like a brain surgeon or something. Yep. And so then he goes on this healing journey, and he goes to Tibet or Nepal or something, and learns all these mystical powers, and he gets like special powers. That's pretty good summation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. That's pretty much the shtick. Uh, again, never a major player in Marvel, but I have to admit the movie is great. Like it's, in fact, I actually, I hate comic book movies uh, today. I'm a huge comic book fan, huge comic book fan. Um, but comic book movies have become so safe and predictable. They, they annoy the hell out of me, but this one was just so visually like different and unique. Yeah. That, uh, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I actually, I was really, really impressed. 
Very cool. Well, in the Audible auto audiobooks department, we had a couple of my audiobooks that got bought. Hey, all right. <laughs> the first one was Hannah Bream's book, From Coping to Thriving, How to Turn Self-Care into a Way of Life. Oh, I edited that. Yes. Yeah. And that was a cool book. I learned a lot, actually, because, I mean, pretty much everybody has a trouble sometimes, like, finding time to, like, make time to take care of themselves. Yeah. And, like, be your own best friend. And so how do you do that? Does it mean that you have to go, like, spend all your money on, like, a spa weekend or get a massage every week? No, it doesn't. Because spending too much money on self-care when you don't have enough money to be able to spend is actually counter counterproductive to your self-care. Right. Like you're not taking care of yourself financially if you're doing spending money you don't have. So like it goes through a lot of stuff like that. And I just found it really useful. And it's written in a very like friendly kind of down to earth way. And I try to do the narration that way, too. So cool. I hope whoever got it likes it. <laughs> I thought it was a great book. And then The Protector. We had two copies of The Protector, which is a by Bridget Essex. Um, I think yes. she she what? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 I, this is a great book. So this book, The Protector, is about a, a little poor little rich girl who her dad, her daddy owns this um, seafood company. And she the beginning of the book, she's getting targeted by these ostensibly by these seafood moguls that are like the competitors of her father and they're trying to kill her they ram her car and it puts her in the hospital and her dad says this is unacceptable i'm getting you a bodyguard and she's like no dad i don't want a bodyguard what the fuck and he's like nope elizabeth i'm getting you a bodyguard you need a bodyguard and it turns out that her her bodyguard is a hot woman and she's they're both lesbians of course and her bodyguard is a hot woman but all is not as meets the eye because the bodyguard has some magical powers that start coming out and things are not what they seem. And so, it's a werewolf vampire romance. So this is like the 91 movie, The Bodyguard, but instead of Whitney Houston being protected by uh, Kevin, Kevin Costner, Costner yeah. <laughs> she ends up get, getting protected by like Michelle Pfeiffer from, uh, from yes. Wolf. Yes. Oh my God. Oh yes. man. Boy, if you ever want to see a hot film. They should film, make a movie out of this. Yeah. Yeah. A hot film, Wolf. Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> one of the sexiest damn movies ever. Anyway, go Yes. Ahead. Awesome. All right. Well, in the beauty department, this is uh, far less exciting. We had uh, Tom's of Maine fluoride-free toothpaste, four-pack. Oh, I think we covered that one already. All right. Never mind. Um, so somebody must have been... Pfft, wow. Somebody... The books department is full of gold today. So we had Becoming an Entrepreneur by Jake DeSillis, How to Find Freedom and Fulfillment as a Business Owner. That's awesome Jake's book. first book. We had Job Free, Jake's second book, Four Ways to Quit the Rat Race and Achieve Financial Freedom on Your Terms. Another awesome book. Both of those books by Jake were purchased. Uh, Imagine Nomorphia, an extreme coloring and search challenge. So it's like this is like an adult coloring book, but it's also like a scavenger hunt. Like you have to find things in there. Pretty cool. I Ma- found Waldo. Mating in Captivity, Unlocking Erotic Intelligence. Whoa. By Esther Perel. I've Wait, heard good, I've heard really good things about that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A New York City sex therapist examines the paradoxical relationship between domesticity and sexual desire and explains what it takes to bring lust home. One of the world's most respected voices on erotic intelligence, Esther Perel, offers a bold, provocative new take on intimacy and sex. Mating in Captivity invites us to explore the paradoxical union of domesticity and sexual desire and explains what it takes to bring lust home. Oh, Charity said that. Drawing on more than 20 years of experience as a couples therapist, Perel ex- <laughs> examines the complexities of sustaining desire. I was kind of hoping the 20 years of experience is something else, but that's all right. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, I, I'm curious. Um, I mean, it gets really good reviews. It's like it's rated like 4.4 out of five. 450 customer reviews. Any book that talks about lust an in a positive uh, light, uh-huh. I, I think, is an automatic winner in yep. my opinion because lust is just this wonderful human feeling. That yeah. Anyway, you got to spice it up. Woo. <laughs> Uh, We also had The Joy of Sex and More Joy of Sex box set. Nice. Yep. These are very good books. Classic books about sex. Yeah. These two books is an interesting, easy read, delightful, illustrated book. Lots of full color and real life line drawings, all done with openness, candor, and realism. Hope the pages are waterproof. (laughs) Now, The Joy of Sex is about heterosexual sex. It's very heteronormative, as I understand it. So Ah. just so you know, if you're queer, you may not be interested in that book. If you're a queer girl... And that includes trans girls. And you want a book about girl sex, I recommend Girl Sex 101 by Allison Moon. It is such a good book about girl on girl sex. Mm-hmm. Everything I know, I learned from that book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> no, actually, I didn't find it until quite late in my uh, queerness. But um, <laughs> but it was very <laughs> educational and it was a, it's an awesome book because she didn't write it until a couple of years ago. So it just came out. But it's an awesome resource. And it's very like inclusive of all genders and sexualities and written with very inclusive language. So um, good book. You know, I, can I toss out a quick recommendation? Yes, for you a sex may. Book? Yes, you this may. This one's kind of new, but boy, did I think it was dynamite. And it's Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Oh, that was in the um, recommended books for the for um, mating in captivity. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, this this book's dynamite. What is it? What do you like about it? Well, it's really lengthy, but I mean, it it it, it allows you based just the, like kind of the format of the book. It allows you to dive it in different levels. Like you can get really scientific about what's going on, but it's it's really all about the pussy. Oh, like, I mean that, that is. I mean, and whatever Anytime gender a book interacts has like a with it, papaya on the front. You know, it's yeah, this, about the pussy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and it pretty much does. Uh, and you know, it's just this pink cover, and you know, anyway, nice. Yeah, uh, I just it explored, and it's it's again, it's very up to date. Which you know, let's be clear here, and we've talked about this on Sex and Science Hour many a time that you know studies, scientific studies in you know uh, female pleasure and in female or you know. Or, um, erotic zones has only recently, you know, really been done heavy. Uh, So, so this includes a lot of that. And I, I just thought it was just a fantastic, I mean, the way it described everything and all the techniques and, and you, you know, and it's, it's talking about the pussy really, you know, from any gender, gender that you're coming at it from. Uh, So it's great for hetero, lesbian, you know, whatever. I Mm -hmm. just, I thought it was just an amazing book. Cool. Right on. Sounds great. Um, also, yeah, She Comes First by Ian Kerner is another good yeah. book about, it's basically about oral sex to person with a vagina and vulva. Absolutely. Um, yep. Thank you for more important. better terms. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to be so crass and crude here on the show, but oh, yeah, I, I usually you, fail. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Oh, now here's a book by one of my favorite authors. I And we've read his articles on the show for years. Like before Sex and Science Hour even existed, I was reading Marty Klein's articles on pork therapy. Oh, yeah. Because he wrote a lot about like the myth of sex addiction and how people like basically these celebrities get caught cheating on their spouse and they, oh, it's not my fault. I'm a sex addict. Well, I'd go to therapy for my sex addiction. And the way it's defined is like 
really shady. It's like basically if the person is having more sex than the therapist is and if there maybe is like an element of compulsion or an element of guilt about it or shame about it, then they can be diagnosed as a sex addict and treated accordingly. What actually is the treatment? There's not really like a very defined protocol for that. Nah. So, um, so yeah, he kind of de- demolishes that myth and debunks it. Hooray. But um, he has a, another book. It's called Sexual Intelligence, What We Really Want from Sex and How to Get It. This is from 2013. And again, the author is Marty Klein, Dr. Marty Klein. This is not your standard sex book, says the description. Sex therapist, sociologist, and Psychology Today contributor Dr. Marty Klein goes beyond the sex manuals to reveal how our mindsets during sex are more important than any tricks or techniques. And that's the way to a healthier, more exciting, more fulfilling sex life. It lies in first developing our sexual intelligence. This book is the antidote to many gimmick-oriented sex guides and manuals. Dr. Klein shows us how to reorient what we think about sex in order to achieve a truly different way of being sexual. Marty Klein is the Steve Jobs of sex advice. Sexual intelligence is a work of enormous wisdom and expansiveness and will inspire readers, regardless of age, to realize their full sexual potential. That was from Ian Kerner. Wow. I mean, with all these books, like somebody's in for a really impressive sex yeah, education. They, I mean, it it damn. looks like they're really diving deep on the subject. Rock and roll, baby. <laughs> they're really uh, they're really getting into it. Yeah. They're really exploring the ins and outs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. We had um, a couple of nonviolent communication books. Nonviolent Communication Companion Workbook, Second Edition, A Practical Guide for Individual Group or Classroom Study by Lucy Liu. L-E-U, not Lucy Liu, the comedian. Um, nice. Complimentary workbook to nonviolent commu- communication, a language of life. Um, that's cool. It probably has like exercises. And then another book about NVC, Nonviolent Communication, a language of life, third edition, life-changing tools for healthy relationships. And that's the companion That's one of the, one of the companion guides. Yeah, yeah. Nonviolent Communication Guide with a foreword by Deepak Chopra. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've had a few people buy that book uh, through, yeah. through Sex and Science Hour, which is great. I still have to get the third edition. I think we talk about it and someone hears and they're like, oh, I'll buy that one. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> yeah, very cool. That we've, we've talked about it enough, but very, very good book. Um, and then the last couple of books that we had were the Serenity Adult Coloring Book. Um, from Serenity, like the Firefly series. Oh, okay. Sure. That's cool. That looks very cool. It's yeah. only 10 bucks too. Glad you're coloring. I personally, I don't like Firefly, but right on. <laughs> I've never watched it. We have to fix that. I have to, no, I have I to see what it's about for myself. I'm I, a bad, li- I'm a bad libertarian if I haven't watched it. Libertarian? I think well, you just hit on something. <laughs> libertarian? That's awesome. Lesbertarian. Lesbertarian. Lobertarian. Yeah, that's, that's instantly what it made me think was lesbert les, lesbian ter- like Oh my god. Yeah. You, can I tell you a funny story? This is hilarious. No, you can't. So when I was like eighteen She does it anyway. I went on a dating site. Yeah, I'm gonna do it anyway. I don't care. <laughs> I know you really are joking and you yes. wanna hear it. When I was like eighteen, I went on a dating site and I started talking to this guy. First mistake, seeking out a guy. Yeah. Um but that's I didn't know any better failure. back then. Um <laughs> I started talking to this guy and he was, he identified himself as a libertarian in his profile. So I sent him a message and I was like, oh, hey, I'm a libertarian too, but I spelled it wrong. <laughs> How'd you spell it? Libertarian, like librarian. <laughs> oh, it's like February, but it's February. Anyway, uh-huh. Okay. All right. Yep. But <laughs> yay for effort. You know, I get points for trying. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll be honest, like, you know, four years ago or four or he five years ago. He pointed it out whatever. that I spelled it wrong, by the oh. way. 
Well, then he's a real libertarian. Yeah, he's a, yeah, exactly. He's pedantic and trying to neg me that he's a real libertarian. You know, all right, all right, hold on, hold on. I was talking to, to, to a gal earlier, and, and this is so funny. And she said to me, yeah. she says, like, she was complaining about these guys just like they, they keep on talking and talking and talking, and they're talking back and forth, and she couldn't get in, you know, edgewise about anything. And she's like, and libertarians wonder why they don't get laid because they, they <laughs> never shut up or they're always correcting and they're being so goddamn pedantic. Take it from the lady. And, and it is, it is, it's, I, well, I couldn't disagree with her. So anyway, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the art of invisibility, the world's most famous hacker, teaches you how to be safe in the age of big brother oh. and big data. And Kevin Mitnick. Kevin Mitnick, yep. It's yeah. by Kevin Mitnick and uh, with a foreword by Mikko Hypenin and uh, Robert Vamosi contributed. Mm-hmm. And uh, this just came out on Valentine's Day of this year, February 14th, 2017. Yeah, uh, Mitnick, I mean, I've read his, his other works. He has, he has a, a couple different ones. Um, this is a guy who really... I mean, you know, this was one of the most wanted men in America yeah, in the nineties. He was, I mean, yeah. He, he's, you know, he's the went real to deal, jail, right? Yeah, he did. He went for a long time, mm-hmm. and and it's sad too. Uh, but he's recent. Like I used to think of him as one of the real heroes. He's recently kind of gotten into the, the game of selling off zero days to anybody, and that includes governments. Mm. And I just feel you feel like that's a that's a cop out. Uh, that's not cool. I, I get it. I mean. Obviously, he's making bank now. I mean, he's just doing so much money yeah. with with the incredible skill that he has, the skill set and experience that he has. But oh, it just rubs me wrong. Yeah, you know, I hear that. Definitely. I mean, this, these are the same people that put you away for so long, and you're just going to sell shit off to them. It it just feels wrong. Yeah. Anyway, next. All right. Well, there's an audiobook of it. I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, that's interesting. By a publisher, the Lunar Chronicles Coloring Book by Marissa Meyer. That's cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. So a bunch of coloring books and the return of the king, the Lord of the Rings, part three, not return of kings, the return of the king from the Lord of the Rings series. Yeah, absolutely. By J.R.R. Tolkien. Great book. Well, we didn't get to anything outside of the book section because the books were so awesome, but I think we're just going to end there. So (laughs) we'll get to the rest later next week. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at Sex Science Hour. That's right. Thank you for listening. This has been Sex and Science Hour. We hope everybody has a great week. And our website, sexandsciencehour.com. Don't forget to shop through stuff. That's sexandsciencehour.com. See you next week.